Hey everyone, and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. And we talk about sci-fi movies. It's a science fiction movie podcast. We watch a movie, we get together. Uh, this is actually a Patreon vote winner this episode. Every month at patreon.com slash TV or patrons at $5 and up get to vote in a movie between four options. And the winner this time, and I, I have to admit, I don't remember what the the cat what the theme was there's usually a theme between the four movies i don't know what yeah, this was. i don't remember either but sunshine one the 2007 danny boyle uh directed written by alex garland who of course has went on to be a director on his own right with uh ex machina annihilation uh the recent devs tv show so interesting to go back to this now because you know i'd seen this before of course and i'm, I'm sure you have as well but mm-hmm. you know i haven't seen this since probably 2008 2009 yeah, I had this. Uh, I went to the theater and saw this. I had to go to like a special theater in Los Angeles because it wasn't playing on any of the like local ones. And uh, I was impressed by the film. And I actually had it on Blu-ray. It was one of the ones I purchased when I got a Blu-ray player. Yeah, um, I was watching it on Blu-ray today. In fact, that was the. the... Do you ever watch the audio com or not audio? Uh, they have like a video commentary on that one, on the Blu-ray. It's super annoying if you watch it on a PlayStation because there's no way to turn it off. <laughs> well, Just when you watch it on the PlayStation. <laughs> I watched it on the PlayStation and okay. it wasn't on. I take that back. <laughs> PlayStation 3. Oh, there you go. There you go. That, that's the, yeah. that, that's the difference. <laughs> I tried to show it someone on the PlayStation 3 and there was no way to turn it off. Uh, no, I did notice though there was a commentary on there by Brian Cox, who's a not the actor Brian Cox, uh, the scientist Brian Cox, who he was the advisor on the film. And I was like, oh, that might be quite interesting to listen to. Oh yeah, I think I know him from like Nova Specials, and didn't he write a book about like string theory? Sounds like the guy. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but it sounds like the guy. Uh, but he's big in the uh the the science like sort of like the TV presenter science expert. Oh, uh, no, no, UK. that's not him. No. But I, I know who, I do recognize him, though. So it was, yeah, I was thinking as well. There's a commentary by him on the Blu-ray, which is cool. But anyway, so yeah, Sunshine, we'll start spoiler-free as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers. Uh, the, the basic gist of the film is that the sun is dying. Uh, our sun is getting lesser and lesser powerful, even though, you know, once you're out there, because as we see in the movie itself, like, the, the, the closer they fly to the sun, it's getting really warm. <laughs> and really dangerous but uh the planet well, space is... doesn't get warm well, obviously space doesn't know but the ship's getting warmer Sh- shielding themselves from the harmful rays Radiate. of the sun yeah. is uh is proving more and more difficult they've got a big giant shield um but it's um it's about going to restart the sun it's kind of, it's kind of like if you ever saw the movie the core which came out a few years before this which was about dropping a nuke into the core of the earth to restart the core again <laughs> so that the planet would fall apart yeah, really dumb movie. It's kind of that similar idea, but it's for the sun dying instead. So they're going to drop at, like, a, I think they said it was as big as the island of Manhattan, which I don't think you ever quite get the scale of that in space because there's nothing to compare it to. It looks like a big ship, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but I didn't get size of Manhattan big from the front of the ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're going to drop this giant fission bomb into the sun to kickstart it. That's the plan. Um, and I think what's interesting about this for me is that having not seen this since 2009, the cast in this movie is the, insane at the time i probably knew two of them watching this now almost every cast member is someone i know relatively well from later things right yeah i mean i think 
I think I knew who Chris Evans was because of Fantastic Four. And was way more impressed with him in this movie. Yeah. And then I I, th- I knew Michelle Yeoh because she was a Bond girl. And, you know, I've never seen Crouching Tiger or Hidden Dragon, but I she got a lot of praise for that. I had seen Crouching Tiger, but only the one. So I don't think I knew, really knew Michelle Yeoh. Uh, really, you know, I didn't recognize her, I don't think. Uh, Chris Evans, I did know, but... And I probably saw him in Fantastic Four, but the, the main thing I knew him from at the time was Cellular, which is an action thriller where he's on the phone to Kim Basinger, and he's trying to, like... It's, it's basically this 90-minute advert for uh, mobile phones back, you know, when they were, like, you know, old back school. Back when Nokia yeah, was, like, yeah. on top of the world. <laughs> I, I shit you know, in that movie, there's, like, a video, essentially a Skype call on this little Nokia phone, and it's, like, mm-hmm. HD quality in the, the, the phone, and I'm, like, no. We, no. We, we're, we're, we're almost there now. Almost. <laughs> in 2004, that wasn't happening. Shut up. Right. Yeah. Definitely not. Uh, but it was a, I remember it was a fun movie, though. Uh, so he, he's in here. Uh, but then, you know, Benedict Wong looking very young and slim. Uh, yeah. He's, like, super tiny. Yeah, he's in here. Uh, we got, obviously, Kelly Murphy's the other guy that I did know from this, mainly from Batman Begins, you know, Scarecrow, which is actually really funny because you got Scarecrow in this, you got Captain America, and then you've got Moira McTaggart from X-Men, because Rose Burns in this, who I did not know at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's... Uh, so many of these actors that I know that I, I watched later on and went, who do I... Or where do I know these people from? And never looked it up. And clearly it was Sunshine. Yeah, um, and then also worth mentioning Mark Strong, who, again, I probably didn't really know who that was in 2007, but by 2010, oh, yeah. 11, I, I definitely knew who he was, thanks to a few movies. Um, and then finally, the captain of the ship, uh, played by Hiroyuki Sanada, if I'm pronouncing that right, um, he nope. was most recently... <laughs> no? He's <laughs> kissing, okay, sure. I'm probably not, I agree, right? Disclaimer, <laughs> I probably butchered that, but he uh, he was recently on Westworld, uh, but he's actually been a ton of... I actually clicked on him because I'm like, I'm sure I've seen him in all stuff. I saw him in a Japanese movie called The Twilight Samurai, which came out in like 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in The Wolverine, he was in Avengers Endgame... Uh, notably though one of the first things that's on his imdb when you check on him now is that he's in the upcoming mortal kombat movie he is playing scorpion wow i know i didn't know they were making another one of those <laughs> i did oh he was also on lost which is probably the main place i knew him from actually now i think about it yeah was... i had to look him up for avengers endgame like who was he in avengers endgame so he's the guy that that what's his name hawkeye fights briefly Oh, yeah, yeah, but he's uh, been a uh, uh, Ronin. He's been yeah. Ronin Hawkeye, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, full of faces, full of people. Uh, very few of them I don't actually know. I mean, one of the faces that's on this list in the MDB, I went, who is that? And I looked at the credit, and it was like, oh, it's the voice of the computer. That's why I don't recognize her. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, uh, and even the, the doctor dude, like, I recognize him from things, although I don't know him that well. The, honestly, the only one out of the main cast that I have no like idea or attachment to is the second in command, the communications guy. He is the only one who I've never, at least as far as I know, I've never seen him in yeah. anything. So, you know, uh, Harvey. He's, he's, he's actually a last on the list, barring the yeah, obvious. His name's Harvey. There's interesting trivia that apparently he was given the name Harvey after Danny Boyle's experience with Harvey Weinstein. Whoa. And that's why his character is so, like, short-tempered and <laughs> not easy to work with <laughs> it was because of his experience working with harvey weinstein and that was his little 
dig at him at the time. It's funny how minor that seems now, given what we actually know about Harvey Weinstein. I know. Oh, he had a bit of a temper. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. Um, and a deformed penis, apparently. If, uh, oh, I'm, uses to I'm good. I don't believe. even know anymore. Uh, <laughs> hey, if I've got to know it, you have to know it too. Uh, yeah, that's actually just I'm been sure a... he wants me to know it. Aww. Thanks. Aww. Aww. <laughs> you made that worse. You made that worse. All right. Um, yes. So I, I guess what I'm saying here is I'm critiquing Danny Boyle's attempt to say, "Nah, he's not much. He's not. He's not enough of a predator. Like basically, he's, he's not Harvey Weinstein enough. You, you failed." Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's basically what I'm saying. Uh, so. No, and luckily Harvey Weinstein has nothing to do with this movie. Every time I'm watching a movie from Miramax... Well, it... the guy who's made Harvey we don't know, and it's the only person we don't really know. So maybe Harvey Weinstein did take it out on him and said, you'll never work in Hollywood again. I just clicked on him. He's been on a bunch of TV shows. He's, he's, he's been oh, in like okay. guest roles on every <laughs> CBS show that's existed in the last 10 years. Oh, maybe we'll see him in Twilight Zone. <laughs> don't remind me that there's a new Twilight Zone season coming. It's terrible. Season one was garbage. Next week. <laughs> get ready oh can i go into the surface of the sun i, th- I think I'd, I'd prefer it i think it's more advisable <laughs> if, I, if i could have the music playing that plays uh during this that was reused again later in kick-ass the walking dead and a bunch of other things if i can have that playing as i dive to the surface of the sun <laughs> you know what that's, that's a good way to go you know everyone knows that you never see the sun because you're a vampire. <laughs> That's first of all, but there's like daylight right now. There's daylight <laughs> right now coming through that window. Yeah, behind the curtains. And I'm gonna go out on it later. Look, I go out in the sunlight every day. This is <laughs> this ridiculous. Wait, hon, I can't be both a robot and a vampire. Matt likes to joke I'm a robot. Other people like to joke I'm a vampire. There's, there's like... What are you talking about? We watched a movie called Robo Vampire. We know they're real. No, if anything, that movie proved it. You can't mix them. It's physically impossible. That movie yeah, proved it. Yeah, they jump around like rabbits and they're daywalkers. <laughs> anyway, so that's the basic premise is that they're just delivering this this gigantic megaopolis nuclear bomb to, to blow up the sun. Well, I say blow up the sun, kickstart the sun. Because it, it was the thing. I mean, I, I don't remember the exact phrase, but I, I always remember hearing like, oh, the, the surface of the sun's like, you know, nuclear bombs going off every second. I'm sure I heard that at some point. Like, that's just kind of what the surface of the sun's like in terms of power and heat and everything. Yeah. It's like nuclear fission happening inside. Yeah. So I guess the first thing to say about this, but before I ask you what you think, because obviously we're going to talk about that in a minute and how we feel about it now after seeing it a long time ago. Um, I think the first thing I'll, I'll just acknowledge here is that this is one of these movies, while I'm watching it, I'm like, I'm sure if I knew more about science, <laughs> I would probably have a lot of problems with this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can just, as I'm watching, I can, I can feel people who work at NASA just like cringing and like, like... That's it, wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. I it, hate that. <laughs> it just, just, you know, like, and I think because it's so grandiose with its premise, with this giant shield to protect them from the sun as they're getting closer and closer to it, and mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that goes on, like, um, I, I think it maybe like, I, I remember a sentiment when it came out of some people who were just really snooty about it and just like, no, this movie's dumb. And I'll admit, I'm not necessarily knowledgeable enough to know why a lot, some of it is dumb. Isn't I don't it- why. Isn't it based off a real theory, though, that there are 
there are some things that can, some kind of particles that affect, that maybe are left over from like the Big Bang that could affect the the sun's nuclear fission or whatever. Because I think that's what the bomb is trying to go after, just to blow up that particle, not the actual oh, sure. sun. I wasn't really so much thinking about the. I mean, the, the that's obviously a whole category on it. So I was thinking more just all the various things they do in the ship, the ways they're exposed to things, yeah, what they do to survive. Yeah, it's Star Trek all, science. Yeah, all, all the usual things that kind of pop up in these movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, like, so I just wanted to get that out of the way, that yes, we acknowledge this, but I think from this point on, we kind of just go with it, and unless something's particularly standing out as a logic hole in the movie itself, where it breaks its own sure. rule. You can kind of see, like, I don't know, like China making a science fiction movie with this pre- premise, but it being a lot more action-y. <laughs> yeah, instead of a ship, it's the entire Earth going towards the sun, for example. <laughs> yeah, we'll just warm the Earth by getting closer. <laughs> Screw you, Venus. <laughs> so that is uh. So there you go. Yeah. So we'll 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 discuss the the development. Tara, uh, how did you feel now? Ha, ha, you know, watching this again over a decade mm-hmm. later since it came out. Uh, which, by the way, the fact that this is thirteen years old makes me feel. Old. <laughs> so, yeah. I think this. You know, I, I haven't watched it in a, in a while, actually, not since PlayStation 3. <laughs> and <laughs> is, that how we, is that how we tell time now? It's like... <laughs> well, that's the last time I, I watched it was on a PlayStation 3. I haven't done that in my life since the PlayStation 2. It's been... Yeah, we go by consoles. Decades, yes. Um, but I, when I started, I was like, why, why don't I watch this more? Like, is this like a masterpiece science fiction film? And then about two-thirds into it, I went... Oh no, this is why. So <laughs> I'd say I'd like I'd like about eighty percent of the movie. I love a lot of the, the first two thirds of the movie. Um uh, and then there's a, an element that's introduced that I don't love so much and some of the editing and camera work is a little bit nauseating at the end, but it's it's still still pretty good, I think. Like if not great. Maybe just borderline. Okay, okay. Yeah. I um yeah, I like the movie, and I, I th- like, you know, I, I remember again when this came out because this was kind of right in that era where you know paying attention to message boards was kind of like more of a normal thing by then. And I remember seeing like the opinions of the the last act of the movie, and like where they obviously we won't really talk about it till we get spoilers. But yeah, no, I mean it's definitely the weakest part of the movie, and there's definitely some nonsensical uh, plotting when we get to that point in the movie. I think. Um, but I mostly love the first two thirds as well. I don't love everything in the first two thirds though. There's definitely some particular things I do have a, a problem with. What I will say though is that the visuals and the the music are mm-hmm. wonderful for yeah, the vast majority of the film. Yeah, I really love the uh, the set design and the ship design too. I think it does mm. look really cool. A- anytime it you know shows the ship from the outside and it shows you kind of the the sunlight hitting the shield or any of the action sequences, whether it's incorporating those elements. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff looks absolutely wonderful. It's got a real feel to it. And for me, like, when you have, like, such a strong atmosphere and artistic style, it kind of covers yeah. up a lot of the the story complaints that I might have unless they're so egregious that they, they I just can't help it. Like, but if, if, I'm into, if I'm engrossed in it because of the mood and the feel of it, then mm-hmm. I can kind of overlook a lot. And I feel that way, not that it needs yeah. to be overlooked in this movie for a lot of it, but there's definitely some elements that I'm going to critique. But... For the most part, it really works, and there's even moments at the end that I really like as well. But there is, sure, ca- me too. There, there's a problematic sort of twenty minutes to twenty-five minute section before the just right before the ending, where 
it introduces a new element which feels a little a little tacked on admittedly though i'm not necessarily against the concept me, me neither it, you know especially the more i think about it but i i i just want to when I've, i find myself watching it and going why are we doing this like it just seems so i don't know it it, it seems so yeah tacked on like it like it didn't belong here sorry my cat's causing a ruckus oh we can hear yeah <laughs> we can hear uh I mean, honestly, like it's not even so much the because uh, you said some of the camera work was was a problem, and I I kind of see what you mean in, in parts. I actually don't mind some of the stylistic choices that are made with the presentation of one aspect of the, of this portion of the movie. <laughs> the problem I have is that once that portion gets going, is that it kind of cuts around a lot of characters, and I don't really feel like even having just finished watching it, like maybe about an hour before we started recording this review. Mm-hmm. There's a portion of, of towards the ending where it's such a kind of a mess in terms of narrative, like through line, where I just kind of shrug and go, "Well, they get to this point, and this thing then happens next." I don't really have like a solid line of thought for why characters have to do this thing to get to that thing. It kind of glosses over, or I mean, obviously, if you go through it and like, read, let's say you put on the subtitles and you pause it and read the subtitles and really get an understanding of what they're saying they have to do and why they have to do it, I'm sure it's technically in there. I'm sure someone put that thought into the script. But yeah. it doesn't necessarily get absorbed. It's not given to me in a way that's, a, you know, where I really understand it. <laughs> so that... Yeah. And it's not just even so... It's, it's like it's too complex. It's not that. It's not like Primer where it's just so complex that I, I can't grasp <laughs> it. It's more just that it's rushing through it so much and not really focusing on it that... Yeah, I mean, we can talk a bit more when we get spoilers, but it, that's kind of the biggest problem area of the movie. There's definitely some other elements that I like, though. There's a character... Uh, the doctor character because the movie opens with him uh, and he's in this observation deck which they can obviously can, they can only use for so long until they're too close to the sun and then it'll be too warm to even consider doing this but he's looking at like you know two percent of the actual light that's hitting the ship you know through this kind of this uh, shield that they've got mm-hmm. and then he puts it up to 3.1 which is blinding light he wants four percent but the computer's like nah that'll like make you go blind so <laughs> let's, let's not do that uh now, I don't necessarily dislike his character the whole time, but I do think his character has some of the the cheesier, we want this to feel a bit more art house, and I'm all for being more art house. I always am, but this comes across as a bit yeah. kind of light and pretentious. It seems like the... Well, I mean, the the character that we get introduced to in the third act is like an extension of what happens to... what would have happened to him, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also it's almost like it's treat it's trying to treat the sun like almost godlike you know and he's starting to worship the the sun and he he gets like some kind of not power from it but he has like a it feels spiritual what he's trying to go through yeah my problem with though is every time he starts talking about it it feels really forced in particular there's a moment where there's a character I mean, I won't say who, but obviously this is a movie where people are going to be dying, right? <laughs> there's a moment where there's a character who's about to definitely die, and he's seeing more of the sun, and this Doctor character, literally over the comms, and the music's all ramping up, everything's going off, it feels like the middle of an action scene that's dramatic because someone's about to die, and he over the comm is saying, tell me what you see, tell me what you see, as, as, if, as yeah. if he's seeing something transcendent in the sunlight before he dies, and it just... <laughs> I don't know, it just, it, it took me out of the moment because he just, it's like so absurdly, I don't know, cliched for him to like, want to like, tell me what you see, is that, is that, like, the man's dying, like just, 
<laughs> like, this yeah. is not a time. This is not a time. Yeah, it feels out of place, especially for what his character is. He's a doctor. He's also a psychologist. Like, I mean, maybe because the guy's about to die any second anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I guess it all stems back to the idea. They don't give me a convincing enough arc with him that I buy that he's willing to yell down into the comms at this moment, like something mm-hmm. so inane that feels just disrespectful of what's going on. So that's, that's kind of like, that was my biggest, that was my only real problem in the it's first It's probably a concept that worked well on paper, but was really hard to put on screen. Mm. Yeah. Uh, like I say, it feels forced. It feels forced. Um, that said, though, uh, that, that's basically my complaint for the first two thirds, because like you say, the ship looks cool. I like... Uh, the problems mm-hmm. they encounter and i think the action sequences look beautiful um yeah. some of the visuals and the the, the visual effects specifically are, uh, look quite stunning and it holds up it's, it's kind of funny actually that we're getting to the point now where there's movies that are you know 15 years old or 13 in this case where the visual effects actually hold up like there mm-hmm. was a there was a time where if you went back about 15 years you were getting into the middle of the 90s and that was a problem because all the all the cg they tried to use in the middle of the 90s has not aged well um that is true so uh, I'm not looking forward to our Lost in Space review. <laughs> that monkey. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait for William Hurt to like to kiss Mimi Rogers in the mouth and go, "I love you, wife." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So personal. Uh, I need a break from William Hurt. We've done enough Hurt movies. What you were talking about? <laughs> the, the last one was ages ago. Yeah, but it was five hours long. I mean, okay, that's true. That counts for at least two. I'll give you that. <laughs> I mean, depending on the length of the movies, that could be three movies, but it's still I mean, two. I mean, maybe two lengthy movies. This po- this podcast is still too William Hurt heavy for my liking. We've done two William Hurt movies. We've done three. Is that can is that counting until the end of the world is two? No, we did Dark City. Oh, you're right. I forgot about Dark City. Yeah, I was thinking. I was just yeah, thinking of all states. Alter states. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean. You say that we've done three David Carradine movies as well, so I mean, well, I mean, this we're pro David Carradine always. <laughs> Are we okay, I'm just clarifying what <laughs> what our official stance is on the on the tough political issues. We're pro David Carradine. Yes, and always choking yourself to death whilst having a wank. <laughs> what? Not that part of him. Not that part of him. Okay, just check, just checking. Um, so no. Uh, and I love the music. I mentioned it earlier, but I the, the the there's a couple of key themes in this that are just like they are those transcendent themes that you just want to listen to again. And uh, there's yeah. the big dramatic yeah, it's one, very pretty. and then there's the sort of the, the sort of more. It's the one that plays when they're sending their last messages to Earth before they don't have communications again. There's like a sort of mm-hmm. nice sweet theme that plays there. It plays again later on as well, but that's kind of the notable place. Like those two themes, that that and the big dramatic one, the Adagio and D minor or whatever it is. I can't remember the title. But those those are, those are really stunning tracks, and you pair that with the visuals, and you have this really kind of almost I think euphoric, probably a bit too extreme. But you have this kind of you know, if you're watching this in the dark, you got the big screen. If if you have good sound, like it really is this kind of like oh okay, I'm I'm actually transported into the, just the world that I'm in here for the movie. There's no you know I, I think it's kind of well I love space movies. It's really easy if you turn the lights off and then you're in space, yeah. you're just there with them. Like you feel like you're just there. Um, so yeah. I think Sunshine does that. I agree. Well. Yeah, I don't love the the song that plays over the credits. It's a little too like. Oh yeah, two thousands. 
it's like a rock song. It, it, yeah. It's like, there's this really good score playing. There's this sweet moment plays at the end of the film, and then it cuts to black, directed by Danny Boyle. It's like, da 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 I know. <laughs> it's loud. I hate it. Yes. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yes. Uh, the, the core had that problem, too. The core ended with that. Uh, I didn't know Oh, that's it. the problem with the core? Well, that's not the only problem with the core. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that movie ends with uh, uh, was it 30 Seconds to Mars. That's the, that's the Jared Leto band. Oh, um, I don't know. I think it is. I think it is. That 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 weird though. Uh, <laughs> that 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 ridiculous, crazy actor. <laughs> Let's who, move on. Who has to turn up to eleven every time? Yeah, I'm sorry. We'll we'll have to talk about him eventually, when he's in the <laughs> movies we're watching. Oh well, we did Blade Runner already. We have to do Twenty Forty Nine at some point. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, Looking oh, forward to it. Oh, I, I, I'm. I, I cannot hold back when we get to those little scenes. I just, I'm telling you now. Uh, Scorch the earth. Let's do it next week. What? <laughs> I agree to no such thing. Uh, so, yeah, I'm ready to go to spoilers then, really, and start working through the movie. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we we wrap up this section? Um, I really, I mean, apart from the Doctor character, I, I suppose, I do really like the way the characters are written. I like I mean it helps that they're all played by really good actors mm-hmm. which we know a lot better now but some of them have really like terrific arcs and um I, I found all of them were unique I love that it was a really like this is a worldwide problem that they're trying to fix and it, it's really well represented in on the ship yeah there's multiple, and, there's multiple points where it's like well do we try and do this to save someone or something you know whatever and the argument every time is yeah well yeah, but if is that one one person or two people, even three people, like, is their lives worth like not yeah, saving the entire planet? There's a lot planet? of moral questions and that are presented here, which, you know, maybe other movies would wouldn't try to, you know, even bring up. And, you know, a lot of hard decisions are made by the crew members, and it's a, I, I like that, it's in here. Like the movie is, yeah, it's forcing you to think those those moral questions for yourself like would you be able to make those decisions as well and i i do genuinely like like really love a lot of this film it's um i will say like no i agree with what you just said but i will say i don't <laughs> think it necessarily hits those highs as much as other examples have done um you know, like I, I think it has really solid characters with really solid actors and i think they're distinct enough without feeling overdone Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's definitely other movies where I can pinpoint and say, well, the, the ensemble group on a spaceship has been pulled off a little bit better here, or the ensemble group in a hard hard decision-making process has been pulled off a little bit better there. You know, there's definitely... like This feels like a really solid example of this type of setup, but not necessarily the... the you know, the pinnacle, the one that you hold up and say, this is what all future versions are compared to. Are you talking about Aliens? I wasn't, no, but I was sure. If you want to go with aliens, you can pick aliens. <laughs> Another glorious day in the core. Every meal, a banquet, every paycheck, a fortune. <laughs> um, now there's an ensemble. That That is an ensemble, yes. Gets I mean, out of cryosleep and, and immediately puts a cigar in his mouth. Hey, that movie's got Bill Paxton. Right, so no no film can compare to it. It's just that's just the rules. Yeah, I mean, this movie automatically gets a point to dust. 
deducted for no Paxton. I mean, as much as we described the cast, you know, we we listed the cast list here. I'm sorry, but Kelly and Murphy, Chris Evans, Rose Byrne, Benedict Wong do not compare to Sigourney Weaver, Bill Paxton, Michael Bean. I knew you were talking about aliens. Paul Reiser. I, I wasn't talking it. about aliens before, but you put me on it. You put me here. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. It, you, it. You just always have it on the brain. You put you you did this. You you did this. <laughs> Don't, don't put this on me. Alright, we're going to go to spoilers. Uh, before we do so, uh, I shall thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you. If, why is my poster not moving? There you go. Uh, thank you to Alison M. Fordyce, Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, sorry, uh, David Sharp, Bordenow, and Zammer Jammer. Uh, they are all patrons at $20 or above. But you don't have to be a Patreon that high. Do they, Tara? I know. <laughs> if you like the channel, and you like us and want to support us and get extra content, you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And donating as little as $1 will get you access to a library of films that we have done that you can't get on YouTube. So if you, yeah, $1 will get you the Trancer Saga. We'll get you our reviews of Time Cop and our David Carradine that you're wondering where they're hidden. We've got one on the main channel, but if you want more, you'll have to go check out the Patreon page. So yeah, thank you. Oh, also, if you want to be extra generous and <laughs> donate $5, you get even more stuff. You get these shows, these reviews a day early, and you get to vote on what we might review next. So, uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> not bad not bad yeah. uh there was a an earth shattering pause when you thought you were done and then remembered <laughs> oh the five dollar tier yeah i usually promote that now too yeah so no not bad not bad i just like to keep you know keep them on their toes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes uh <laughs> so yes full spoilers ed full spoilers for sunshine you are my sunshine my only sunshine you make me happy when skies are green. Please don't take my sunshine away. Hey, good. Uh, we got that over systems. I, I know we both needed that. So. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> it's time, yes. Uh, so, yeah, so we're introduced to the Doctor character with the sunlight thing, we mentioned that already. Uh, we meet them, there is a little bit of an alien vibe when they're all sitting around the breakfast table, and the camera's kind of doing the, the spinny thing, and they're kind of, they're, they're sitting. Now, admittedly, a circular dining area is not exactly unique to Alien, per se, but, you know, it's on a spaceship, it makes me think of it, before anything else. I know. I sounded judgmental, it wasn't an agreement, it was just, <laughs> I know. Like you're disappointed. Always thinking about alien. All right, fine. You, you, you. Do the next part there. Go on. What happened next? Um, I remember. <laughs> uh, oh, they they have to. They're about to enter a part of their journey where they can't send messages anymore. So Killian Murphy is the neutral doing zone. A's, yeah, the neutral zone. So the, once they go past that, they can't send out any signals. Otherwise, the Romulans will find them. And they'll know that they've broken the treaty. So, yes. um, 
So yeah, so Killian Murphy is recording a message to his sister and her two kids. I think two kids. And uh, for some reason has a weird matrix code running behind him. That looks kind of dated. Just going to say that. Yeah, no, yeah, there's a couple of little things like that. I, feel like. I will say this, though. The technology, for the most part, on the ship doesn't feel, like, like silly or dated, for the most part, right? I think No, not really. They do have a holodeck, which I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, <laughs> as quickly as possible. It's like a therapy thing. Well, we haven't gotten to that. That's true, yeah, we haven't got there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because actually, he ends up in a fight with Chris Evans. This is the thing. Chris Evans' character is kind of a dick throughout the whole movie, but... He's interesting because he's a dick who's normally right. He's just a, yes. It's like he's usually right in what he's saying. The justification that all dicks have. Yeah, he's just a <laughs> dick about it. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, he, he gets upset with him in this scene because Killian Murphy, because he's like having, he's being so wishy-washy that he uses up all the time, and now Chris Evans isn't able to say his goodbyes to his family. Yes, and the doctor prescribes to get, deal with his temper two hours in the earth room, I think they call it. And it's basically yeah. this cube that projects, you know, essentially, this, this, this is kind of a mini holodeck. Uh, and, you know, we see him, you know, watching the waves crash at the pier, and the computer's like, oh no, you were ordered to have peaceful. And he's like, no, the waves make me feel peaceful. Give me the waves. I want the waves. <laughs> Chris Evans just wants to surf. He just wants to surf and, you know. Yeah. Ride the waves, man. I mean, he's Captain America, right? <laughs> but the movie really gets going here because it gets going because they're presented with this dilemma. Because what, the opening, there's a little bit of opening narration at the start just to explain the premise of the movie. It, it, and there's no narration for the rest of the film. It's, it's kind of just Killian Murphy just saying his thing. But it sets up the idea that this is actually the second attempt at this. That's because the ship's called the Icarus, the Icarus 2 specifically, and there was an Icarus 1. And they get a distress beacon. They, they sort of pick up a signal. Uh, eventually and it's like that's weird we're, we're you know we're past the point where we can communicate with the earth and yet we can we can pick up something and they do a bit of you know digging in technical doohickey and realize that this is the icarus one and they're presented with the first real moral quandary of the the journey where you know Benedict Wong's character says look I, th I think we can conceivably change our course for a slight detour not much but a slight detour to go to the Icarus one and then they sort of debate like could there be survivors and they're like well you know the, the, like their their oxygen supply is self-replicating you know they've got like a garden just like we do that's creating oxygen mm -hmm. and they you know they, they they have food for this many years but who's to say that all seven or eight people are still alive maybe it's only four of them and then they could live much longer like there's there's possibilities right and they're presented with this choice and chris evans is like Wait, no. No one's considering actually going there, right? Like, we have one shot to to save the world and kickstart right. the, the sun. Like, it's a shame those people are out there, but, like, if, if we go over there, all we're doing is jeopardizing something that so far is going smoothly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every, everything we do is risky if, if we try and change and deviate in any way. Uh, but the counter-argument is that... Because uh, obviously at first it's like oh, they'll just talk about saving people, but it, it, you do get the feeling in the room though that everyone kind of respects that and so, and in their heads they're going, yeah, you know what, he's right. Like ultimately, he, save, yeah, save. we've already accepted that they're probably dead. Yeah, uh, but the counter argument is though is that the doctor says, but wait a minute, like we we only have one chance, 
But what if we add two? We actually, there's a benefit to potentially going there for our mission rather than going for mm -hmm. people. Because they still have the payload, the yeah. first bomb on there, which never got deployed. So if we have two bombs, we have two chances. We can do it twice. And the debate about, okay, should we vote in this? Like, no, this shouldn't be a vote. This is not a democracy. So no, the person who's actually most qualified to make this choice mm -hmm. should make it. And which is Kelly Murphy, because he's the physicist. He's the one who's actually there to deal with the payload. And what it'll do yeah and he's real torn up about the fact that it's all on his shoulders to do I, it you can see it in a second because because they just sort of look over at him and it's this sort of like close up behind his shoulder of him going shh <laughs> this is yeah. on me i need to make this choice um and i mean obviously we're in spoilers now so i can say this but a lot of things go wrong because the choice that is made here uh yeah but you can see his argument like he he's right also like there's this is our humanity's last hope. And if we have another bomb, we have two last hopes. And that's... Better than one. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, the logic is completely solid. It yeah, really and is. everybody everybody thinks that, you know, this is this is possible, then we should take the risk. Yeah, it, it's kind of this, this thing, though. I mean, I guess what I was expecting from the movie, actually watching it the second time, having you know, having it been a long time and not really remembering the finer details, mm -hmm. is I was wondering, like, is is there something later on that kind of gives us a reason why ultimately that was still the right choice, no, no matter how rough it's been, no matter how many people die, no matter the the results that we end up having, mm -hmm. is there something later on that kind of indicates that if they hadn't made this detour, then the chain of events would have been completely different and it would have left the the thing being a failure anyway. Um, because what, what, one of the things I guess that you would go to is the the doctor dude. Like, if he if they never came to the Icarus one, and like he had to sort of like sacrifice himself to stay behind there, like would he have went mad? Would he have like endangered the mission if they just kept going on the original path? It never really yeah, makes he, that point. He seems to be on the path of whatever the you know our our villain who shows up later is has has taken what he does to an extreme. And it makes him go crazy, like he he becomes like a, I want to say religious, but spiritual, in a way that he he says it like talks to God and stuff. And and this doctor character seems to be going through the motions, but there's nothing to suggest that he would have gotten that far. Yeah, there's nothing to suggest that he was actually going crazy. It's just I mean, so he's seeing some, like you know existential kind of quality to being mm -hmm. out here is this is sort of humbling him in this weird way but it, it, it's, it's not necessarily the case that to, we don't know for sure that he would have went down this oh no he turns into a complete nut, nut job <laughs> you know by the time he gets this far uh there was no indication of that you know and no it, so it's it, there's never really kind of that so I, I and you get to the end of the movie i was kind of like you know what maybe they shouldn't have uh detoured <laughs> Maybe they could have just stayed on their path. And... No, but I like that each character like stuck to exactly who they were. You know, like oh sure, he's yeah. look the physicist is looking at this as an illogical issue. So if you know this is the the percentage of even the the bomb that they have not working is still like fairly high. They don't know everything's theoretical. So yeah, being able to do it twice would maybe be worth it oh yeah no I, I get that i'm just saying that yeah. we have we have the context of the whole movie though and we know that one bomb does work <laughs> so when you get to the end of the movie and you look back at it you go yeah you know what like you you not only would you have like yep. st st stopped a lot of turmoil but you'd have also been able to go back home <laughs> 
Sure, but during the film, like we don't we don't blame him for trying because oh, yeah, we yeah. listen to his argument and we go, yeah, he's kind of right. Like oh, it yeah. does sound pretty solid. I'm not suggesting that for a second. I'm just saying that with the hindsight, you're like, yeah, yeah. that was a dumb choice. And hey, yeah, <laughs> like, that basically everything that happens in this movie happens because of this decision. Well, I mean, it's, it, this decision, yes, but do you really blame that on the physicist or do you blame it on the on Benedict Wan who made a miscalculation or do you blame it on the captain who didn't just override everything and say no we're just going to go straight like you could blame it on you know oh, I'm not saying blame people. Uh, that's the, the point I'm making is not about blaming anyone it's, it's just that ultimately everything that happens in this movie happens mm-hmm. because of this decision uh, yeah so it's very easy to kind of look at it and go, well, Chris Evans, he was kind of right, I suppose. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, definitely. He's Ripley at the airlock saying, no, you can't true, come yes. in. There's something foreign on your face and you can you risk the whole crew. <laughs> I think what's important about his character, though, is that later on, when other decisions have been made, he still makes the decision that's right for he the does. mission. Yeah, if, I love that. Even if it means that it's him that's not being saved or it's him that's not being, mm-hmm. like... You know, put in the position that he yeah, might he's, be in. Yeah, he sticks to his guns. Like the the most important thing is this mission. Yeah. Like, and that's that that's it. Anything that could possibly you know jeopardize that mission is the wrong decision. Yeah. So it, you know, it it, it kind of it goes from there, and so they make this this choice to to go, and basically immediately things start going wrong. Where the 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 change trajectory, and there's a problem because. Benedict Wong is the one who's in charge with, uh, I guess, navigation, or at the very least with the, the, the safety of the ship, with the, the shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's working out trajectories, he's doing all that, he's, he's yeah, in charge of all that. Yeah, both he and Rose Byrne seem to be the navigators, but yeah. he's doing like all of the, the plotting. She's not doing any of that part. Yeah, she seems to be literally sort of manning the station and like, you know. Keep, keep an eye on what they're doing. Admittedly, admittedly, a pilot in space for the most part. Outside of the start and the end of it, it would mostly be pretty boring because there's not really anything there. <laughs> it's just kind of, just kind of drifting. You know one thing I don't, I don't really like about the the first two thirds of the film. Oh god, is the voice of the ship. She's ah. so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not into it. Um, I guess that's. I never really thought about it to be honest. I never. <laughs> felt i don't know I, I never thought stopped and went oh sexy voice computer it it's it was so distracting it was like um there's an episode of futurama where the the ship gets a an upgrade and it has like a hell 9000 thing but it's voiced by sigourney weaver and she gets all romantic with bender and it's the only <laughs> thing i could think of like the ship is way too sexy like everybody out there who's lonely is going to be like weirdly drawn to the <laughs> <laughs> to the ship i don't know uh that's fair yeah that's what this movie was but actually do, do you know the uh the, the earth room mm-hmm. it's like cube shaped joe was making me think of a little bit think of another space movie we did early on in this show and a room they had yeah the, uh, well i think even when we talked about high life there was i i brought up sunshine yeah uh, except that it was it wasn't an earth room it was uh the masturbation yeah. room i guess yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the official title was, but it was. Let's just say the there cleaning. Was just a lot of milky stuff coming out of it. Yeah, the cleaning duties on that weren't weren't super hot. Uh, so, but no, things got to go wrong. And basically, what what's happened is is the Bedit Wong has you know he's he's passed the course, he's done all this correctly. But the one thing he didn't account for 
is that because they've changed direction slightly, the angle of the shield so that it's completely covering them from the sun is actually like, I think it was like one point something millimeters off. It wasn't much. Amateur but... mistake. <laughs> but it's obviously enough that part of the ship is now exposed to the sun for however long it takes them to fix it. Uh, and this causes... Yeah, it destroys some of the shield panels on the yeah. side of it. Yeah, which they can fix because that's the big the, that's big part of the film is that like, the captain volunteers and then Chris Evans volunteers uh, Kelly and Murphy. Although... Yeah, it's like how you do when I have to do the... The, the Patreon plugs. Don't compare it to that. <laughs> That's not fair. I volunteer Tara. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I will say, now that I'm thinking about this scene, given, given later on he's adamant that he has to save Kelly and Murphy because he's the one who can actually deliver the bomb, it feels mm-hmm. a bit weird that in this scene he's like, no, you can go outside and do the dangerous work. Yeah. I get I get that he's mad and he's like, no, you, you this was your choice to send us on this path, so you have to go do this this dangerous thing. But if we're still under the assumption that he's the most important person there, because he's the one who's going to deliver the actual payload, yeah. then... I guess this is the part where it doesn't hold up, or he's just taking out his frustration with on him again. Or, or I mean, no, I think you can explain it. I think you can explain it with, like, A, he's angry at him right now, so it's more fresh, and he, that's all he's feeling, but also B that he isn't necessarily at the point yet where he sees how dangerous this all is yet. Like, right now, okay, this is a relatively dangerous thing. It's probably thing to go just a scary yeah. thing. Yeah. But it's not like... Whereas by the, the time suits he's, are claustrophobic. By the time, <laughs> by the time we get to later on, though, where they're actually making choices again, and he's, he's arguing that Kelly Murphy has to live, at mm-hmm. that point, they know they're all dying. They know they can't get back to her. Yeah. Like, that, this is yeah. purely about delivering the payload and nothing else. Yeah. So, so yeah, the captain and Ke- uh, Kelly Murphy go out, and so they're in these big... I will say this, I'm not in love with the gold spacesuits. No? Nah, they look a bit weird. I'm not into them. Yeah, they're okay. <laughs> I, I, I get they're going for this reflective thing, cause the whole, you know, to go with the whole the shielding and, and whatnot, but... Uh, yeah, hazmat suit or like, uh, when, when I was on the ship, the suits that people wore for, like, in case there was a like an airplane, not airplane crash, but like a one of the helicopters crashed or something, and you have to go in, but you have like hot metal fire. You have to wear like those big reflective suits, but they weren't gold; they were silver. Yeah, they were going for a color scheme. The white they look the same color as the sun, so they just thought that would make them gold. Or the shield, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I was in love with the suits, but yes, that's, that's a minor like wardrobe. I like complaint. I like the choice to film them inside the suits though like you get mm. the visual of of killian murphy like looking through this tiny little slit of a of a like a view where he could see but it, it's like really small and yeah, um, a pov shot yeah yeah but you get yeah you get the, the shot of him in there and he's super claustrophobic and sweating and he's breathing too heavy and uh and you, you can sort of see what he's seeing through the viewfinder not viewfinder but you don't you know what i mean and yeah. um yeah, it's it's just it's very claustrophobic, also, and the music's really nice. <laughs> oh, the music's great here. Yeah, uh, that whole, whole sequence is very beautiful. Right up until the captain like dies because he you know he sacrifices himself putting in the last of the panels because because there's like a, there, if I have a complaint in the pacing here is that there's a moment where they go to the first panel and they're a little bit nervous because they're not sure if they can fix this and then they manage to do it and the captain's like, no, we can fix this. It'll take a bit of time, but we can fix this. And it cuts back to the bridge and they're all cheering and they're like, yay, yes, yeah. we're saved. And then literally within 10 seconds, we get the shot of like the uh, the, the the oxygen mm-hmm. garden, like the, the, the sunlight coming in and setting it ablaze. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, 
damn could we not have like actually yeah pretended? the movie doesn't doesn't <laughs> relent you know yeah. it's it's just one thing after the other once they once they make that one first screw up like everything just cascades into you're you're never going to be able like you're constantly trying to fix the last problem so you don't <laughs> die yeah. or or I, you don't fail the mission i often think of Bennett Wong as a very happy looking guy his story in this is so depressing so dark. Because, yeah because he's the one who made the mistake with the calculations with the shield and because mm -hmm. of that uh, he blames himself for everything. You can see him just kind of like being emotional this entire time, and all this is happening is the captain's dying. Yeah, there's an interesting line here too with Chris Evans because once they once the captain says we're going to be okay, and like he just kind of slaps him on the shoulder and says, "See, we're going to be all right. Don't kill yourself." <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of foreshadowing of how people die that. in this film. Yeah, uh, that's a good, that's a good beat. Because uh, you know the captain like finishes the panels, but obviously he's too far out to get back in time when everything's turning, and mm -hmm. you know, th so they get back in, and it's just really sort of like we we get this like, sort of update, and they tell us right away that no, Benedict Wong's a suicide risk. Like the doctors mm -hmm. immediately put him on suicide watch, and he's like strapped to a bed, and like we can't like trust him with anything. Uh, and you know, Michelle Yeoh's character, she's the one who actually takes care of the garden. She's the botanist or whatever to you know keep all that going and she's like heartbroken that our garden's gone and they're like okay like how much oxygen do we have and it's like it's not enough to even get there to level the payload yeah. and you think chris evans might do something drastic because he's kind of like because they bring up that okay technically there is some oxygen but just not enough for all like seven of us there's enough for four of us and it's like well <laughs> wait so you're saying we kill three people <laughs> like you know are you saying we let you know we let bed that won't kill himself like you know is it like what's the tactic here and it's, it's, it's raised here, but not explored that much because it's not as drastic well, they, as that yet. Well, they still have to, to you know, catch up to the Icarus. Well, that, well, that, that's the thing. They've, they've got... I, I, after this scene, the one hope they have is... Because they abandoned going to the Icarus one. Like, they basically... Because the captain makes that call where uh, on the bridge, they're all deciding, like, well, mm -hmm. we have to do this to, like, to solve the problem. And Chris Evans says, no, we can't do that because of this, this, and this, and everyone's guying up against him, but then the captain comes in over the comms and says, no, he's right. The mission comes first. We abandon the planet to go to the Icarus One. And it's only after oh, all I this... I thought that was because he's... Because once once the fire is detected, the ship automatically starts to 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 to, mm -hmm. to change, like to alter its course back on trajectory to get that area back in the shade. And be, because they're still out there, they're going to be exposed to the sunlight now so mm -hmm. into the radiation so that is chris evans saying no don't don't course correct the the ship just let it just let it do its thing because it has to it it knows that if we if we stay this way we're going to lose part of the ship and we risk yeah, all dying you're, you're right but the decision's also been that scene that it's like no we can't go to Chris one anymore it's kind of I, I, I don't know exactly what beat it's it's made clear at but like that's called off. That's not happening anymore. Oh, I thought that was just about, like, no, we're not going to leave these people to die. And then the captain's like, no, you have to. But uh, we don't have to let Killian Murphy die. He can go back in. <laughs> Cap can go back in, but I, I'm going to sacrifice myself. No, because it was definitely, no, we're not going there anymore. Because it's only after this where they say, no, we have no choice but to go there. Because the only, cho the only even chance we have is to hope that they have some oxygen and whatever else that we can use um because that, that was that was because that was a very clear point in my mind when they said that is like oh no they have to go because because they called it off it was it was done like they were not going to a chris one anymore 
and then of course they have to go anyway um and the fact that they even like that's just kind of the weird thing is the fact that they even have like a a way of docking with another ship felt weird to me it's kind of like a, a contrivance in the, the the setup because like under what circumstance did they think they would have another ship to dock with out in space when given that you know everything sounds like you know they just built this you know from scratch the first one to go and do this mission it didn't work oh we built a second one <laughs> like <laughs> i mean unless this is just the dock for the space station that they left from maybe you know back back at earth i guess that would make sense but the fact that they've got a maybe all airlocks just link up yeah but how how common is space travel i didn't get the impression well, that... i mean it was probably built in space not built on earth well that's what i just said i said that it's maybe it's it's connected to the space station where you know where yeah. it was docked originally which i guess makes sense are but... you thinking it's like it's two female ends that don't connect <laughs> the two airlocks no, 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 I just mean, like, they've got a whole procedure where they disconnect from the front and, like, it mm-hmm. sort of, like, floats over and they've got the two shields, because now there's two of them because there's a, the shield from the first ship, and it kind of floats over and then connects the airlock to airlock, and it just it felt like, what, like, I almost feel like there should have been a scene where, okay, how do we jerry-rig this to work, because this was never designed to connect with other ships in space, because that was never a consideration, because there's not other ships out here. There's not supposed to be. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I didn't notice it but you're right yeah so they get on the ship and it's kind of like eerie there's dust everywhere uh they keep calling it stardust to make it sound better but it's just dead skin <laughs> it's dead human skin yeah they everywhere. said like 80 percent of dust is just human skin i mean not in my room it's all litter box but <laughs> um oh yeah I, I think if you have pets that's that changes things because I, I have three cats i'm pretty sure most of my dust is mostly cat hair uh <laughs> it's litter dust yeah so <laughs> But they, they, you know, they're, they're looking around, and this is where it interests the idea that the, like, it looks like the crew was sacrificed, like someone put them in the observation deck and turned the sun up full, or, you know, lowered the shields full, I guess, maybe yeah. more accurate. And they, they find that these deceased bodies, they find like a, a, a recording that was made not long after they disappeared, that, uh, you know, originally, and it's, you know, the zealot captain talking about, like, the will of God and you know, sending to hell and this this mission's mm-hmm. against God's plan and all the rest of it. And it really sets this stuff up and it's, you know, all, all this, this creepy shenanigans. And, you know, like, I'm not against the whole idea of, like, there being, like, one survivor from this ship who is around, who's here to cause problems in the third act. In fact, it explains why the random problem happens in the first place here. Because, mm-hmm. you know, because the airlock disconnects and that, that creates this whole new problem. And it's like, well, someone did this manually. Some, someone did this. This wasn't just a, a freak accident. Yeah. And uh, that, that kind of sets things up. But, uh, but that And we see that he, that somebody, the reason the Icarus 1 stopped working was because somebody sabotaged the computer system mm-hmm. by, by removing it from the coolant and, like, disconnecting it. Yes. Uh, the killer which we saw earlier on because Chris Evans was uh, like fixing something and his, his hand like or he dropped his wrench yeah he it. dropped a tool uh, yeah mm-hmm. and he had to like put his hand in and he's like he's like another it, foreshadow it looked bad yeah that one's a bit more in your face because he literally dies this way <laughs> later on yeah 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 uh, it's uh, not Jason X style but pretty close yeah not quite not quite it's actually a you know credit to them like I, I think it would have been very easy for Chris Evans to be more unlikable by the end so that when he died it was less I don't know like Caring. No, it's emotional. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a decent beat. Yeah, and you know he's just in so much pain and he's dying real slow. Yeah, 
but he was saving the computer long enough for the the payload to you know be disconnected and all the rest of it so yeah uh it, it you know it, it, it works but so yeah we, we sort of gloss over the scene here where it's like okay we have one spacesuit here from Necrus one and we can shoot Kelly and Murphy across. But, mm-hmm. you know, us, us three, which is the Doctor, the second in command, who we've barely mentioned because, you know, he, obviously he's captain now, but he's easily the least forgettable, or the least memorable. He's the Harvey, right? That's all we know. He's the Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that scene actually was one of the best. This, this is where I was talking about I really like Chris Evans sticking to his yeah. guns, but he's not full of shit yeah. either because here it becomes like, well, there's only a suit for one person. And he's like, and no. just doesn't even hesitate. No, yeah. it has to be Murphy because Murphy's the one who can deliver the payload. It ca- it has to be him. Kappa, I think his name. Whatever. Not Murphy. <laughs> I mean, his name's Murphy, but you say Murphy and I think Robocop. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. I'm using the actors because I know them better. But, <laughs> I know. I do that too. But Harvey's just kind of like, no, no, no. I, I rank you. It should be me. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's terrified of dying, even yeah. though they're all going to die anyway. I, but, but when he's face to face with it, he can't come to grips. The detail I love here, though, is he says, I'm the most important because I'm in charge. And Chris Evans says, yeah, the, you're the communications officer on a ship that has no communications anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Solid point. So they wrap themselves in like, the insulation in the ship and sort of basically duct tape like spacesuits that obviously aren't going to last for long, if at all. But it's like the one shot they have of maybe yeah. surviving the jump to the other airlock. Um, and yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if this is complete and utter nonsense and there's no way this would even work. But Maybe, but they do it in 2001 also. That's true. So you're going to give it a pass because 2001 got away with it. Yes. Yes. Okay. As long as we're on the same page. <laughs> Just checking. Just checking. Uh, so yeah, and, it's, it's kind of, and obviously Harvey doesn't quite make it. He bounces too far to the side and we see his mask come off and he freezes to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we actually see like this is actually a bit more Jason X because we see, we see his like arm hit like a part of the ship and it just shatters because it's like frozen. Mm-hmm. And we just see like the frozen blood just splatter. Yeah, I like the slow the slow death of him though. Like not not that I'm you know whatever, but <laughs> but it, it's a really cool visual. Like he slowly freezes and his eyes open and then like the little droplets from his um, from his breath like freeze instantly kind of a cool death yeah uh which actually loses with four characters actually not five technically well uh, and and we didn't mention that the psychologist or doctor guy had to stay behind yes. on the icarus one because somebody had to manually open the airlock from from the ship yeah and i will say to tie in with all the stuff that i didn't like about him earlier i did think his ending where he goes to basically die the way that he wants to which is to bathe in the light of the sun and transcend he wants to see it yeah uh, that made me groan a little bit. That was that was probably the most I like rolled my eyes in the first two thirds. So that that was the moment where I went, okay, all right. Sure, they're, they're reaching for something that um, maybe doesn't come across quite so. I don't know, because um, I mean, even when we meet our villain, like who's definitely an extension of this character, who's gone too far, like he is, like talking to God when he talks mm-hmm. to the sun. And like when we first, when, when Murphy first, oh, I'm doing it. When Captain first sees him, he's, he asks him if he's an angel, like they're really going for a, a spiritual or religious element here that doesn't really work. I don't think it just doesn't, it's just not set up enough. I think, yeah, I think to, to, 
be more of like the recordings from this captain maybe going a little bit nuts gradually like because at one point we see the our captain you know uh uh westworld did <laughs> i don't know his mm-hmm. name uh, uh we see him like watching like the the, you know, the last log that was sent by by uh mark strong and i i felt like if we got maybe a few more of those kind of like building up to the idea that he was going nuts then like, that could be something like you know, there could be something there yeah, I don't. I don't like the way that the recordings are are shot, or like any time Mark Strong's character is shot, like it's it's just all like people are in focus, but he's out of focus always. And maybe it's just the makeup that they had wasn't very convincing, so they just had to. They had no choice. I don't think so. I think they were going with this idea that you can't stare at the sun because it's too much, and he's like now a sun entity, he's like a sun god mm. person, and. I, I, I didn't necessarily hate the effect so much the first couple of times he popped up because it was a nice way of building to, okay, what does he actually look like? Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a point where it was still doing it even though we were in like clear shots with multiple other people and it just it felt yeah. like, okay, this is weird. This, it's, it's like you're you're going for this this proper, I don't know, almost supernatural thing. Yeah, and I, yeah, he is very like strong even though like later his skin just rips right off of him. So like how strong... Like he should be pretty weak. <laughs> he he is absurdly strong. It is kind of I mean yeah he would have enough food to survive. The question is is why would he be surviving though? Why why wouldn't he just let himself die after he killed the rest of the crew and stopped the mission? Like why why did he keep himself risk going? Risk Icarus two being sent. Because uh, because we see that the oxygen garden has been like growing the whole time, so it's actually overgrown and like there's plenty mm-hmm. of oxygen on the ship. Uh, which they never get to use any of it, of course, because when they first come back, the first issue is that okay, two people have died now or have been left behind. And because of that, only one more needs to go. And one of you know, there's this one guy who's suicidal and he might and they, they even speculate, you know, he might have been the one who did this because someone did this manually. This was an intentional yeah, thing. Yeah, they don't know that Mark Strong's character is is there, so So they have this debate about whether or not like he should be killed and even Kelly and Murphy's like like it's one guy versus the, the, the safety or the future of the entire entirety of the human race. Like it's yeah. no question. Like it just has to happen. Yep. And it's like, I mean, everybody is sticking to their guns. You know, Rose Byrne's character doesn't really have a whole lot to do um, on the ship. She's kind of just the, you know, sensitive, pretty girl who tells people that she loves them. And uh, (laughs) I don't know, like whatever her character is supposed to represent, like the the love part of humanity. (laughs) I'm not really into so much. Compassion. Yeah, I guess like but you know i like that at least she sticks to her character here and he and killian murphy again just goes with the logical argument and and chris evans is just whatever it takes to get the mission done that's the right decision you know everyone like really sticks to their character mm-hmm. yeah. and I, even michelle yo um who is the botanist and she's sort of already lost everything but she's also the one who's monitoring the oxygen yeah, what what I dig about uh, this this section that's really effective actually is that even though you agree with the characters and you know they have to do this, and Chris Evans is volunteered mm-hmm. to be the one to go and actually kill him, and he t- he takes a blade and he goes into the earth room, which is where where Bed Long is, and we discover that he's already committed suicide, and despite the fact that he was about to be murdered and he needed to be murdered for them to even have a chance of succeeding. And, you know, it was agreed that it was the right thing to do. I mean, Rose Byrne did kind of, you know, fight it a little bit, but ultimately... Yeah, she said she would never yeah. agree to it. But yeah, because yeah. he wanted a unanimous vote, but then when she wouldn't give her vote up, 
he's like well fine i guess it's just not unanimous <laughs> but yeah uh, i like that they asked like how are you going to do it and he's like that's between me and him like you, that's not a detail you guys need to know yeah and she also says you know please make it kind or you know don't make him suffer or anything like that you know she's, it was, it, all those little beats were, were good but i think the darkness of like him having committed suicide still hits with a gut punch and it still affects all of them despite the fact that they all agreed that he had to be killed anyway it it kind of reminds you that despite in, in the face of this horrible situation they're in that of what they were about yeah. to do that they agreed they had to do they still this this still it's, brought their humanity back and made it it's it's sad yeah it's sad to see but it's also a bit of a relief that we don't have to watch chris evans who we sort mm. of like right now is you know commit murder yeah so it's, it's very effective in that sense and it's it's kind of like we got to the point where we were willing to do it and then found out that he did it anyway on his own and mm -hmm. i'm still they're still sad about it it's it's almost like him doing it himself it takes the burden from us but it's sadder that he had to do it himself it's sadder that he made this choice because you knew he yeah he yeah. died miserable he died sad and disappointed and you know he died blaming himself yeah. even though yeah, I mean, suicide even, is just horrible so yeah so I, I thought that was really effective uh and then the computer tells kelly and murphy that oh there's not enough oxygen and he's like we're talking about there's only four of us now like you know that's enough yeah and he's like no but there's a fifth crew member and he's like who unknown <laughs> it is a cool reveal the, re the reveal is good because he runs up to the, the, the observation place, which is where, where he is. Uh, Kelly Murphy gets sliced and we get a bit of a stalk. Uh, the first person he actually kills outright, though, is Michelle Yeoh. Because there's only four characters left outside of Mark Strong, obviously, at this point. Uh, and she gets she gets killed when she finds one little plant that survived <laughs> the, uh, the the fire in the yeah. oxygen garden. Yeah, but it's, it's nice symbolism, though, you know? Like, everything was destroyed. The whole garden was destroyed. But something's still growing from the ashes of it. Like, you know, humanity's about to die, but maybe something could be saved. It's a bit on the nose, I think, I would say. Okay. It's a little on yeah. the nose. I, I, you know, but that's, it's not out of place for this film. I will, I will say... Because, obviously, I, I like Alex Garland a lot, and I can, see, I can feel a lot of Alex Garland in this movie, but I can also feel some of Danny Boyle, and... I'm not a big Danny Boyle fan, actually. This is probably my favorite Danny Boyle movie. I'll just say that. <laughs> I think it's my favorite, too. Yeah. I'm not a big Danny Boyle guy. Um, and I, I think... I'm not going to say that everything I dislike in this isn't Alex Garland's fault. Because, you know, Alex Garland... You know, even his recent work, Devs, I wasn't in love with. I think he made a lot of mistakes with that that show. So he's not, like, mm -hmm. infallible. Like, there's, you know, he's, he's, he's sure, got some but, great stuff. I mean, but... as a science fiction fan, if he's coming out with something new for cinema, like, I'm going to be there because oh, he's got a great, great voice. And, I... and I, I, even his direction has been really strong. No, his direction is great. And, I, you know, it's just this... Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that this is an earlier film in his career. Maybe he hadn't quite found his... You know, what, what I like about his work yet. Like, it wasn't quite sure. there yet, um, is, is what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, so we, we get, this, this is kind of the, the, part, the worst part of the movie though, is that once all this gets going, you know, Kelly Murphy ends up locked in like one of the, the airlocks, uh, with the suit and Mark Strong's going around and try to kill Rose Byrne, uh, try to kill, he, he tries to like to take the computer out of the coolant like he did before in the other ship. And that's yeah. what leads to Chris Evans death. Cause he has to like sort of dive in and like fix things and it freezes to death, you know? It's, it's, yeah. It's really well shot that scene though, where he's going in to to do it, like, and really well acted by him. I think like his like slowly freezing to death but trying to speak is really hard. <laughs> I think my problem with this section though is not even 
that much conceptually. It's more just that it's such a kind of haphazard mess cutting between all these characters that I, I, I was mm. never really sure exactly, you know, like, because I actually said at one point, like, wait, are they even close enough to, like, unleash the payload yet? Like, like what's... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It seemed like they weren't that close to finishing their journey, but I guess they had to be, right? Because this whole thing takes place in like thirty minutes, and <laughs> we're at the we're already at the sun. Well, it, no, because no, because when he went to uh, when he discovered the fifth crew member, the computer said that the the thing's nineteen hours. They they actually say it's nineteen hours until it's time to deliver the payload, mm. and it's not been nineteen hours, and I. Maybe there's like a small, like I say, there's a lot of quick dialogue in this section that pro- might have an answer in there, but it's so quick and fast that it's kind of hard to take a lot of it in. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see that. But we I get just to- don't, I, I think it's odd that it just turns into like another like generic space movie with a monster on board. It just, it, the movie is so grounded before then, you know, and it, like all the mistakes that happen are are human error, just like one little thing, and it just this cascading effect of now you have to deal with this, and now that affects this and this, and you're constantly trying to, well, well, you know, stay on course. It's worth mentioning that I also think Twenty Eight Days Later has a really weak third act, and that is written by the same writer and directed by the same director. So there's definitely some some parallel. There's definitely there's definitely a period where Alex Garland's scripts ended disappointingly. <laughs> Although I don't think that's I think the actual ending ending of this is quite good. There's just some uh, this this almost like space slasher movie stuff kind of mixed into yeah. it that's that that kind of makes it weaker. But anyway, we get to the point though where and I actually do really like this what once Kelly and Murphy like gets out of the airlock and he's he's in the big spacesuit because at this point the ship's getting really hard. Rose Byrne and Mark Strong end up inside the payload itself. They're inside the the the, the fission bomb, mm-hmm. and Kelly and Murphy. There's a great moment where the you know the, the big dramatic mu- music's playing, and he falls in the spacesuit, and he has to like sort of like pep himself to get back up. But the music makes it so epic that it's such an exciting moment of him like yeah. getting standing back up. I'm like yeah, stand <laughs> Come up. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> sometimes. Well, music... he has been stabbed. That's true. That's true. But you know, sometimes music adds so much to something yeah. where yeah, it would yeah. just feel silly without it uh but he of course that you know does the dive and because the, the big dramatic music ends kind of on this big shot of him jumping from the ship to the payload with the, the sun kind of in the background it's kind of it's kind of your poster shot right it's, it's your big moment that you yeah it's a little dr strange love also. <laughs> just riding the bomb <laughs> yes but he goes in and you know the the actual interior of the payload where it's a sort of cube sort of shape it's kind of and- boring it's kind of, well, it's kind of boring, but it's also kind of oddly. Well, you brought up that you know everything till now felt grounded. This didn't feel grounded to me because it felt like something out of like a more like ridiculous science fiction story where you've got this cube where the gravity shifts and because there's a, there's a point where like Mark Strong's well, dangling. Is them. that is that because of the bomb or is that because they're just getting closer to the sun and the sun is so massive that maybe like physics are just different there. I'm not sure why, but it was never really addressed or like it, there was no foreshadowing to explain why it would work like this. So, but even just the visual of it, where it's this cube within a cube, uh, it just it felt so big and vast. It felt like I don't know, just something. It felt alien in a way that well, felt it is like, the size of Manhattan. Oh, apparently, yeah, <laughs> apparently, it's a good job they happened to be close to the edge. Then 
Yeah. <laughs> because you could be in the middle of this thing and have to run for miles before you get to the get to the edge. Yeah, right. Uh, and you know, so they go down with the bomb, uh, and the 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 phone call, what's that, the phone call, the message that that Kelly and Murphy recorded earlier for his sister, we hear played out again as we see on Earth for the first time, like his sister and her sons, uh, or I don't know if it's his sister, maybe the boy and a girl. Uh, but they're like in the snow because apparently, and it's Australia. He's because we see the opera house, so we know it's we know mm-hmm. it's Sydney, but it's covered in the snow. And it's, it's just him saying, like, you know, if it's, if it's a particularly bright day, you'll know that we made it. You know that we succeeded, and that you know the 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 the, 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 the landscape fills with sunshine, and it's like, all right. And then it cuts to a rock song for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but the music that's playing as we hear this message again is the music that played the first time we heard it, and it's a really sweet sweet beat. Um, yeah, the music's I, really good. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating, isn't it? It's, it's frustrating that I mean, excuse the expression, but it flies so close to the sun, and <laughs> I will not excuse it. Come on, excuse it. This is that was a good, good, good phrase to use here because there's so many things that work about it. There's so, there's so many like aesthetic choices that really work. Um, I think the inside of the payload is maybe the one thing that I really. I, I don't like aesthetically. It feels a bit too sci-fi in a way that doesn't fit the rest of the film. I don't enjoy watching the scene also just because of the choice that they use to for for filming it. Like Mark Strong's character is still like all mm. wiggly, wobbly and you can't quite focus on him and um like I understand that things are spinning and you know whatever gravity's working very differently in there. Uh, so they're just like flying around and you know, some of the, the concepts that are, that are there are, are pretty good, but like just the way it's filmed, it's so, yeah. like, I, I, I don't know, it's hard to focus on anything. There's some creative license as well with like just how long Killian Murphy seems to survive. Because there's, there's this moment where it feels like the bombs kind of already went off and he's kind of in this shockwave and he's kind of like experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, which... But it makes for a kind of an okay moment. So you can you can almost interpret it as he's not really experiencing this. This is just kind of because because one of the things is he has a nightmare early on about falling to the surface of the sun, and it kind of intercuts with certain moments yeah. towards the both, end. Both both him and Rose Byrne yeah have the nightmare so and both of them die that way. So are you again. saying there's actually some sort of God's planet play here? There's some actual prophesizing. <laughs> actually, I read in the trivia that because uh, because. Killian Murphy was playing a physicist. He went and like talked to NASA physicists mm-hmm. and like hung out with them while they worked for a while. And while he was there, he be- he went from being agnostic to atheist. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they really convinced him. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Uh no, I, I I didn't mention the visual earlier, but uh, when the captain's dying, uh, the the wall of like fire essentially. Oh yeah, that was really cool. That's really pretty. Yeah, uh, the way it's mm-hmm. sort of coming for him, uh, it's, it's it's good stuff. Uh, no, the visuals are for the most part the visuals are fantastic. You know how how they shoot Mark Strong towards the end, and maybe inside the vision thing. I say the visuals are stunning. The audio design is mostly stunning. The music's almost always fantastic. The end credit song aside, but again, that's such a, a yeah. minor quibble. Of, in the, the you know the, the grand scheme maybe of it's a product of the of its time that yeah it's released but no that side of things are great and i love the moral debates i almost wish it leaned even more into them mm-hmm. the debate of like should we detour should, should we kill this person because that's how we ex- ensure our success these hard decisions are the interesting sort of 
things that it raises, you know? Yeah, I think it does a pretty good job of, of, of you know, presenting the arguments on both sides of why, you know, there is no, maybe there is no right answer. And other I, than, well, should we detour? And I feel like the, the whole religious thing and the idea of, like, one character maybe going down that path, this villain having went down that path, I feel like for the movie to actually kind of have those at the forefront where it really felt earned and it really was raising all these philosophical questions about things. I feel like the movie has to be much smarter than it actually is to pull that off. And that, mm-hmm. and that feels like a weird kind of like dig at the movie. And it's, it's more so that it's better at other things. It's really good at all of the other elements. It's just that that element feels really undercooked in comparison. Yeah. I think it could have been done. Like if I, I like that they're the Icarus too, that the first mission failed and they don't really know why. And I think, I think you, you still make it work if they get there and it turns out that everyone had died and because the captain went crazy without making the captain still alive. And if you focus more on the doctor, maybe when we first see him, he's already like losing it, you know, like he's, he's closer to that, to that captain than we, you know, then, and then the crew is aware and, you know, maybe he can like go all zealot and (laughs) try to stop the, the mission from from happening be, or from being successful because he speaks to god i feel like having an arc where one of the characters on the ship actually becomes the villain is far more interesting well at least in the way it's presented in this movie uh mm-hmm. to just finding a character from the previous ship uh you know, like it, it could be goofy as well don't get me wrong and there's definitely ways to do it because because there, there are some fun elements of like finding the derelict ship and like discovering what went ha- what went wrong here, yeah what when happened. the computer says oh no there is an extra person unknown like that's like a real thrilling moment yeah. like oh <laughs> like as an audience member you don't know that yet yeah i mean that that could work could work well but it's the most undercooked part of the movie for sure and that but the other parts that gets gets right it gets very right um mm-hmm. maybe not the best of the genre but it you know it's, it's up there it's, it's up there in really strong territory and yeah, it makes it kind of a frustrating package as a whole. Sure. Not super frustrating, but a bit frustrating. Yeah, but I mean, the first two thirds are really, really strong, if not like masterfully done. And I think like if you haven't seen it and you're listening to the review for some reason, like still definitely worth watching. Like it's a it's a really well made science fiction film. Hmm. With, yeah. And it's a very interesting like concept too because you don't really see a lot of movies that you know this this sun like the most powerful thing in our known universe well i mean in our solar system the thing that we see all the time is um you know all of a sudden our our imminent danger we we don't get science fiction movies like that hmm? it's always like in you know a faulty ai or something which is also really cool but this is like a really original concept. Yeah, uh, I can't think of anything, at least the exact kind of same thing. Uh, it tends to be about exploring or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's funny, the, as, you know, I brought up the core early on in this review as a joke, but it has oddly kind of the most comparable plot <laughs> to this. Uh, I never even watched the core. I remember when it came out and uh, I saw the trailer and said, I don't, I don't think I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, that went down more of a, a sort of disaster movie thing, and this kind of has elements of that. Isn't it a? Is it not a Roland Emmerich film? No. Oh. Well, it's Roland Emmerich adjacent. You just you just thought it was, but no. Yeah. It was not Roland. That was the movie that introduced me to Aaron Eckhart of all things. 
<laughs> what you want cool. from? <laughs> what you want from? Uh, yeah. So also, oh yeah, Hilary Swank was in it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I've forgotten that completely. All right. Yeah. Why am I on the core's IMDb page? Richard Jenkins was in that my movie. Job. Richard Jenkins was in that movie. God. You love Richard Jenkins. He's great. Yeah. Why was he doing the core? Oh dear. Uh, all right. Well, I, I think we're uh, kind of wrapping up here then. Um, the movie's very good. I don't know if I'd quite go as far as you. You, you, you said the, the first two thirds uh, uh, were masterfully done at one point. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I think. I mean, I I think the first two thirds of the film are riveting. And I, I th- like as I was watching, it, I was just like, why don't I love this movie more and, and like think about this movie more? But yeah, after the third act i'm like oh yeah yeah i, I, I would I, I would say it's very strong like it's a yeah. very solid movie it seems ha- really low pretty low budget too and it's it's not a hollywood movie right isn't it like a british film uh i have no idea i mean it's diane boyle made it with a, a bunch of i mean even kelly and murphy's irish I, I mean like chris evans is like one of the few actual americans in it i think yeah i mean i only re- learned recently that rose byrne was an american because her accent is like perfect oh it's australian yeah she's or she's australian rather <laughs> yeah um but yeah, well yeah this movie when it was released i had to go find it like it wasn't playing in any of my local theaters and i don't live in a small city but i had to go into like los angeles to this dinky theater to go it, like two screen theater to watch it it was definitely promoted heavily in the uk i think because it had a lot of uk talent behind it so they they pushed that a lot more. Uh, but it is Fox Searchlight. It's not, you know, it's not 20th Century Fox. It's Fox Searchlight. And that is the, the your more indie level of movie. But, I mean, which maybe just makes the visuals they've got all that much more impressive. But mm-hmm. again, Alice Garland's got history with that. Dread looks great for its budget. Ex Machina I mean, looks Ex great Machina for its budget. Ex won an Oscar, I think, over an Apes movie. I don't know if I'd go that far with it, but it's, it's definitely great. <laughs> I mean, Dawn, Dawn was the same year, I think, and Dawn's... Oh, the pinnacle yeah none of those films got special effects oscars it's it's such a travesty yeah yeah i'll always bring up the year transformers came out and the golden compass one say what you want about transformers quality wise that freaking polar bear was garbage the the visual effects in transformers was a huge leap forward at the time those those definitely those those cars and trucks turning into robots look great oh that first yeah that first movie when i went and saw it i was like so impressed by it yeah, and that came out the same year as Sunshine. Well enough. <laughs> so how about that? Uh, yeah, wrapping it all back round. That's also thirteen years old. Uh, so and Transformers is sci-fi, so we will have to do that franchise at some point. Look forward to that. Can I quit before then? <sighs> nope. <laughs> you have signed a a binding contract. Which should cannot... have used my own blood. Yes in a blood contract and if you leave the show uh before its natural conclusion whatever that may be then you will be forced to suffer a horrible consequence <laughs> okay. i don't know what i don't know what that consequence is i have a <laughs> well it's a blood contract so presumably my soul will be taken to the depths yeah yeah either that or you're going to have to watch the new twilight zone season like back to back forever on it <laughs> over and over 
<laughs> well, who knows? Maybe it'll be good. If it was season one, torture. Yes, yes. I, I've, I've, got, I've still got a good feeling about season two. So we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, There's a new that, trailer today. Oh, God. I don't want to watch it. I'll, I'll just... I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll see the episodes when they hit. I'm good. Uh, so, yeah, Sunshine. Tara, what are you going to rate Z Film? Yeah, I, I know I really love the, the first two thirds, but by the end of the movie, I'm a little like, I don't know, the, the last act just really brings things down for me. Uh-huh. I don't I don't want it to turn into a slasher film because I've already seen that in space. <laughs> it can't um, be topped. It was already perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Jason X, like you can't get better. <laughs> Maybe Leprechaun 4. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Shut your filthy mouth. <laughs> Anyway, I I do still think it's it's a really a really good science fiction film, and I think people should should watch it. And I I'm still going to be pretty positive. I'm going to give it a seven point five. Mm-hmm. No, that's, I uh, you know, watching because I was surprised with how drawn in again I was in the first like just fifteen twenty minutes. It's sucking me mm-hmm. in and just kind of get I was getting engrossed in the world and the story. Uh, it's definitely a movie where the atmosphere and the story come first and the characters come second just and all i mean by that is that you know there's so many characters you, you can't necessarily give one character the, the same depth or that you would in other types of story that are more just like one or two character driven but mm-hmm. uh you know I, I was thinking through, man this is probably like an 8.5 or a 9 maybe and then you get to that last third and you know some of those other problems from early on as well so it probably wouldn't have been a 9 because of the stuff i had with the doctor but I think, yeah, I'm probably going to go with a straight 7 overall, uh, which is actually very impressive given how rough some of that, you know, 20-minute portion is towards the end. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it is a shame because the reveal of there being someone else on the ship is actually really well done. It's just... Uh, yeah, definitely. The actual execution of what comes next is just extremely all over the place. So, there you go. Um, that is Sunshine. Uh, and I, I think we actually checked to see what was coming next week. Although you claim Blade Runner 2049, I'm sure that's wrong. I bet you'd love it. I bet you'd love it if I just said, yeah, we'll do it. No, why not? No, actually, the next one is actually your pick anyway. <gasps> so, for some reason, due to Tara's request, next week, the next episode is going to be Cocoon. So oh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> look forward to, to that. Uh is that a Spielberg movie? No. Uh, no, it's a Ron that. Howard film. Yeah, but he, but he might that, have been produced yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yay. But uh, yes. Well, uh, before before I uh, uh, throw other promotional things, out, oh, actually, so the word today, if you got this far in the review on YouTube, uh, the word for the comments that you should type in there is. do you want my help sure yeah i can't think of one Go robocop on. what <laughs> nobody will guess it yeah, tr- true yeah no we, kept, we kept it. talking about murphy true okay right fine robocop you can <laughs> robocop's the word ah jeez. all right uh okay also it's time for tara to do her pose for the thumbnail so uh lean oh, back so you're i have a prop yeah oh you've got a prop so lean back so your head's not cut off top of the frame, and I'll go do three, two, one, pose. 
<laughs> that is perfect. Well, yeah, look cool. <laughs> you put thought into that one. That's very good. All right. That is uh that is us uh, pretty much. Uh, so obviously like and all that jazz liking is very important on YouTube. It helps us out a lot. Uh, the YouTube algorithm will pump us out to more people and it'll recommend us out. So please do like and subscribe and all the usual things. Uh, you can of course get us on Patreon as we mentioned earlier. Patreon.com slash TV for bonuses and all sorts. Uh, get us on Twitter at the Ace Podcast. But uh, otherwise, I'm dropping my bottle cap. Uh, otherwise, that is us. So yes, thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction, guys, and computer at Salsa. I think I'm done doing. <laughs> oh, wait. I volunteer Peter to give the last word. <laughs>